Thank you, Brent, for sharing <clears throat> from that scripture. Um, I find it very neat that how the Spirit of God works and how that you share on love. My message is not des- um, on love, but we can take love out of this, out of these scriptures. And um, that's why I sang the song that I did, because it kind of goes along with this message. Um, love so unending, I'll sing his praises. God loves his children, loves even me. And that message was impressed upon my heart, my mind, uh, last couple of days. And it's, uh, it's interesting. And my message this morning is uh, taken from Romans 8 again. Two weeks ago, I preached a message on the uh, first couple verses of Romans 8. Today, we're going to be looking at verses 14 through 17, 18, um, there, there on. So, um, it talks about about adoption. And, you know, when you think of that whole thing of adoption, um, it's love. It's love because, you know, parents or, uh, you know, men and women that can't have children, they want to adopt. It's because they have a love for children. And so they do everything they can and spend lots of money to adopt a child. But in this case here, um, it talk, it's talking about the spiritual adoption. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today from these verses. And uh, I also have a, an account that I want to share with you. Um, the man's name is not uh, Hussein. I'm going to use Hussein as his name, but it's not his real name. But it's a true story. It's a true story. And I don't know if, uh, if any of you have the book, uh, When Faith is Forbidden. And it has many, many accounts in this book. True stories of individuals in Iran, Iraq, and Ukraine, and Russia, and all those countries, and even in the United States, where you know people have been persecuted and tortured and martyred for their faith. The book is entitled, When Faith is Forbidden. And Hussein, uh, which is not his real name, grew up in a family that was very, very... Um, It was very, very bad. Very, very bad. So anyway, we'll get to that a little bit later. But here in Romans 8, it says, For as many, in verse 14, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit, that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs of Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. That's a powerful verse. Verse 18. 
as, as the Apostle Paul penned these words, it's, it's the hope of the believer, the eternal hope that we can have. He simply says, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time, and if you read those accounts in this book, when faith is forbidden, um, they had their eyes set on Jesus. They had their eyes set on beyond. And you know, and so many times we, we fail to do that. We, we, we look right here at, you know, me, my family, my, you know, my uh, specific circumstances, and we fail to look beyond what God has in store for those who endure unto the end. As Paul says here, not wor- it's not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And so um, we'll continue uh, on with this and look at what the, lo- what the Lord has to say concerning this. Well, first of all, love works like, can- like kindness, which is a fruit of love. It touches cold, unresponsive hearts and causes them to vibrate with beauty and harmony. The story is told about a man and his wife who went to an orphanage to adopt a child. One boy appealed to them. They had their eyes set on him. And they tried to explain to him how they would give him a good home, good clothes, toys, and things most children have. If that's all you have, I would rather stay here, the child replied. They could not believe their eyes, their ears. And wanted to know what he meant. What on earth do you want beside these things? The little boy replied, I want somebody to love me. And so it is. You know, as we think about adoption, and as we think about the spiritual adoption that takes place when we become a child of God, is because God loves us. Paul uses adoption to illustrate the believer's new relationship with God. You know, in Roman culture, the adopted person lost all rights in his old family (coughs) and gained all the rights of a legitimate child in his new family. He became a full heir to his new father's estate. Likewise, when a person becomes a Christian, he gains all the privileges and responsibilities of a child in God's family. One of these outstanding privileges is being led by the Spirit. Galatians, Paul penned these words in chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. To redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. In verse 6, and because ye are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts crying, Abba, Father. You know, we may not always um, feel like we belong to God, but the Holy Spirit is our witness. His inward presence reminds us of who we are and encourages us with God's love. Love's so unending, I'll sing His praises. God loves His children, loves even me. That's why Paul says in chapter 5, verse 5, For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. We're no longer cringing and fearful slaves. Instead, we are the master's children. 
What a privilege. These are exciting verses. These are exciting verses that Paul penned here in Romans 8. Because we're God's children. We share in great treasures as joint heirs. You know, when you are an heir to um, those that have passed on, uh, you gain their uh, things that they've left for you. But God has prepared great things for his children. God has already given us his best gifts, his son, his Holy Spirit, forgiveness, eternal life. You know, the list goes on and on. And he encourages us to ask him for whatever we need. There's a price. There's a price for being identified with Jesus. Along with being heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, Paul also mentions the sufferings that Christians must face. What kinds of suffering are we to endure? Well, you know, we haven't really faced any real persecution yet, have we? We haven't even seen anything. I don't think. I believe the time's coming when we may. But anyway, as we think about those who um, are identif- <clears throat> that are identified with Christ and uh, the sufferings that they must face. Hussein, as I said, uh, was not his real name. He lives in Iran. Grew up in a very strict Islamic home. This is a true story, true account. His mother was a devout Muslim, reading the Koran and praying five times a day, wore just the right clothes, but his father was not and would become very angry and treated him very, very badly. After mandatory military service as Hussein got to that age, he returned home and no, with no job. He joined a friend in, counter, in a counterfeiting operation, a crime punishable by death. His income went up and up and up and up, and he had, he had more money than the people in the whole town. And he found himself in a life of debauchery, women, drugs, parties, etc., etc. Then through that, he had a disagreement, found himself out of the business. The disagreement with his partner. He was very miserable and wanted to kill himself and many other bad thoughts. In the middle of all this, when he wanted to end his life, an old army buddy called, wanted to talk to him. (coughs) Said he found something new. Hussein's ears perked up. Thought maybe it was a new drug. Something to take care of his need. Instead, his friend told him he found Christ. Looking him in the eye, asked him if he would like to give his pain to Jesus. He hesitated. He felt he didn't have anything to lose. And soon his life began to change. He quit drugs, drinking, smoking, carousing around. Huge change, a dramatic change. He joined uh, the group of Christians who were gathering. And the leaders, the church leaders noticed. And he sensed God's call to further ministry. 
18 months later, was a part of a group of Christians that went on a retreat to the sea, which wasn't his favorite spot. In fact, he said, I almost drowned just taking a shower, let alone go out in the sea. Then through an incident when he almost drowned, instead of thinking to kill himself, now was asking God to save him. God saved him. He answered his call. Said it felt like God's hand picked him up out of the water. Many things happened after that. And on one occasion, as they walked into the house where they were ministering, a young girl began to cry. And they asked why. She told them the night before she saw Christ in her dream. And he led her to the table and sat down with three people. And now, as she looked at these men, she said those same three people come into her home. For her, it was a confirmation. And for Hussein, it was a confirmation that God called him and would bless his ministry. Ministry in Iran comes with a cost. So soon after, was holding a Bible study in an apartment where they had just received a shipment of 500 Bibles stacked in one of the rooms of the apartment. The police came in, searched the entire apartment, totally upside down and moved everything. Yet miraculously, they did not notice the three boxes of Bibles. God had shielded them. Still, the police took him to prison and placed him in solitary confinement, tormented, beaten, interrogated, dumped water on the floor so that he couldn't sit on the floor or much less lay down, no bed, no end to what they've done to him. Yet sitting on the cold, wet floor, he heard God speak the same as you would hear water running from the faucet. God's peace filled the room completely. It filled his entire cell. After a few days, was taken to court, stood before the judge, then taken back to solitary confinement. After a week, was transferred to regular prison and sent to level 11, which was death row. Horrible place. Miraculously, as he was taken in there. And I believe this morning it was totally, it was totally because of the, of the uh, countenance and the, the, the spirit that was with Hussein as he went into that place. Because normally they would take the latest one that came in and they would beat him. They would make him sleep on the floor. They would take his food. They did everything. But for Hussein, he was respected. He was looked up to. He was given a cot that was on the top to sleep. He was, they shared their food with him and everything. Made you think of Joseph in Genesis when he was cast into prison. After some time, returned for a court hearing and found God working there too. The judge, a devout Muslim cleric, looked furious when he first came into the room. But when Hussein's case came up, the judge's countenance changed. Late, later, the judge told Hussein, 
He didn't even have to show up for the hearings. He wouldn't even have to come. Miracle after miracle after miracle. Every step of the way. Was asked if he was even afraid. He said, no. He said, I've seen God work. I'm a part of God's family. God has adopted me. God has, has, has taken me into his family. And today, Hussein is continuing in ministry in Iran. And the church is growing in leaps and bounds. You know, as I thought of that account, as I thought of that story, what am I doing? What am I doing for the cause of Christ? I've been adopted into the family of God. Every believer that accepts Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior has been adopted and has been given the same privileges, the same opportunities. What are we doing? Are we delighting in the spirit life <clears throat> that Paul talks about here in Romans 8, chapter, these verses here? And so um, imagine this morning, Imagine yourself like Hussein, being born into a family that was poverty-stricken and mean, poor. A family that was dysfunctional and doomed. A family with no hope or prospects for the future. A family that was dying and didn't even care of you at all, for you at all. Now imagine that along comes a kind, gentle, and wealthy man. And this man tells you that he loves you and offers you to take you in as his own child. He offers you everything your natural family could never give you, and he offers it to you free of charge. All you have to do is come with him and consent to be his child. That's what Jesus did. That's exactly what happens to every person who places their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. They're joint heirs. They have been adopted into the family of God. Paul tells us here that every saved person has brought, been brought into the family of God and enjoys all the rights and privileges of a natural born children. As verse 14 says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. We have a new family. There's no other place I'd rather be. Then we be with the people of God, with my church family, my brothers and sisters. According to Paul, when we believed, we became the sons of God. We were removed from the family of Adam and were transplanted into the family of God. We're literally his children. That's what 1 John chapter 3 says. 1 to 3. Behold, he says, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when, we, when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And, he says in verse 3, every man that hath this hope in him, purifieth himself even as he is pure. Notice what the first part of this verse says. It says that as many as are led by the Spirit of God, what are they? 
They're the sons of God. They're the sons of God. What this means is that those who are in the family begin to act like the family. You know, and so many times you can, you know, you can uh, look at parents, you can look at their children, you can look at the parents, you can look at their parents, and there's a lot of traits and characteristics that, have, that are passed on. Um, you know, the boys talk like their dad or their, mom, their daughters talk like their mom. And they look like their mom and they, they look like their dad. And, you know, we develop traits that are similar to the family to which we belong. You know, even my wife says there are certain things that I do that remind her of my dad. Um, I don't know for sure what that is right now, but there are certain things that I do, I guess, that remind her of my dad. My dad was, he was different in a lot of ways. Um, anyway, I, I tried to keep my focus on the Lord Jesus. Anyway, the same hold true in the life of the believer. If a person is saved, it will develop the traits that are like the father's family. The primary trait being that they will be led by the Spirit of God. You see, you know, every child of God has the Holy Spirit living within them. In Romans chapter 8, verse 9, in between these scriptures that we shared two weeks ago and today, it says, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, what does it say? He's none of his. So it makes it very plain, doesn't it? Makes it very plain. And if the Spirit is in residence, He will make His presence known. He will change the life that He in, inhabits. <clears throat> we have a new Father. Verse 15. He says there, But ye have received the Spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. It tells us that we have been delivered from the bondage of fear, and that we have been adopted into the family of God. Just as Hussein, who grew up in a home of violence and fear and um, not Christian, you know, it was, it was a horrible, he was adopted into the family of God. He was delivered from that bondage of fear. He was delivered from that bondage of violence and, and horrible things. <clears throat> you know, in our society, adopted children often feel and are perceived to be second-class members of the family. You often see that. You know, that shouldn't be. You know, when parents adopt a child, they're to, they need to make so that child is treated the same as their own children, their own child. I'll never forget. I'll never forget. I had a nephew that... really was um, not the child of my brother-in-law, but he, he grew up in the home and never realized, this young, this young boy never realized that he, had, um, he was not a part of the family. He was from another man. And when he was 16, 17 years old, one day, he was told, right to his face, Oh, who are you? 
you're not a part of that family. You're an outcast. You're... Can you imagine what that did to him? It just tore him up. He didn't even want to live anymore. It wasn't very long after that that he did pass away. They're forever reminded of the fact that they were not born into the adoptive family. Now, what a horrible thing. God doesn't do that to us. When he adopts us as his children, when we, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord, he takes us into his family. We're the same to him as, as the people on the other side of town or on the other side of the world. We're a part of the family of God. However, in ancient Rome, things were vastly different. To be adopted was considered a great privilege. The word adoption, or in Greek, hoiothesia, means to place as a son. The picture of adoption is a beautiful picture of what God does for the Christian. And so in the ancient world, the family was based on a Roman law called patria potestas, the father's power. And you know what that did? That law gave the father absolute authority over his children so long as the father lived. He could work, enslave, sell, and if he wished, <coughs> he could pronounce death, the death penalty. Regardless of the child's age, the father held all power over personal and property rights. Therefore, adoption was a serious matter. Yet it was a common practice to ensure that a family would not become extinct, extinct by having no male children. And so, when a child was adopted, three legal steps were taken. Number one, the adopted son was adopted permanently. He could not be adopted today and disinherited tomorrow. Number two, the adopted son immediately had all the rights of a legitimate son in the new family. He was made equal, the same. And it's the same way God treats us. The adopted son completely lost all rights to his old family. The adopted son was looked upon as a new person. And that's how God looks at us when we come to the Lord Jesus Christ in faith. We're a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. And so, when we come to Jesus, we're taken out of Adam and adopted into Jesus. We have a new father. And so, these two verses, 14 and 15, they tell us that as children of God, we've been delivered from the power and the influence of the flesh. The idea is that we are brought into such an intimate relationship with God that we assume the place of small children who lift their voices to God as hurting, helpless child, as a hurting, helpless child would who cries out to its father. Love so unending, I'll sing his praises. God loves his children, loves even me. Verse 16. Our communion with the Spirit. The child of God has a blessed communion with the Holy Spirit of God. It was this relationship that was predicted by the Lord Jesus himself. And we're not going to take time to turn to 
several of these scriptures that I have jotted down here. John chapter 14, John 16. There's a number of scriptures there that talk about this. The Spirit of God spends time with the redeemed. And this is a truth that the saint of God must take for granted. Not take for granted. Be our confidence in the Spirit. The Spirit of God has fellowship with those who are saved by grace. And that is one of the surest ways to know that you've been born again. He will speak to your heart. He will tell you things. He will guide you. He will warn you. He will lead you. He will feed you. He will comfort you. He will teach you the truth. If the Spirit of God never speaks to your heart, then you need to examine yourself. Like a mother who wraps her arms around that insecure child every day and expresses her undying love. Children will feel that. They will know that. They will sense it. They will desire it. And so the Spirit of God does the same things for the redeemed child of the Lord. Not only are we adopted into the family and assured of that fact every day of our lives, we are also wealthy beyond measure. We have everything in the world. Nothing to lose. Notice what this verse teaches us about our standing in verse 17. Our privilege. It teaches us that we are the heirs of God. You know, and I believe today that there are many, many people that have their sights, their hopes, their dreams are set on receiving the heir or the inheritance of what their father, what their grandfather has done, has built, has saved, has kept for them. Losing all sight of the inheritance that God has saved for us. <coughs> Our Heavenly Father is wealthy beyond measure. The Bible teaches this truth in Psalms 50. 10 to 12 says, Every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. I know all the fowls of the mountains, and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell thee, for the world is mine, and the fullness thereof. We have the privilege of sharing the vast wealth of our Heavenly Father. That's why Paul says in Philippians 4, verse 19, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. He's able to meet our needs no matter how great they may appear. And you know, I believe Hussein, the man I told you about in the story, he wondered, you know, how would God provide? How would he take care of him? But after he committed his life to the Lord, and there's just one confirmation after another, one miracle after another, that God showed him. God picked him up out of that water as he was drowning and set him on solid ground. And many other things, even in the prison and before the judges, in solitary confinement, over and over, God showed his love to him. And he reminded him of what is in store for him if he trusts in him. You know, I believe we need to find ourselves 
in that same situation. Not only are we the heirs of God, but we've been made joint heirs with Jesus. Literally, we are given an equal share in the wealth of our Father. You know, and sometimes when I think about this, it isn't the idea of getting things that amazes me. I'm amazed when I come to understand that I have been placed on the same footing with Jesus. <clears throat> you and I that are saved have been declared to be the sons of God and were given the same standing before God as His Son, Jesus Christ. We'll never be like Him, but we have been made like Him in the Father's eyes. Hallelujah. So as we pass through this life, we'll go through difficult times and we'll face many trials. There will be many times when we feel like God has forsaken us and is not meeting our needs like we think He should. Hussein thought that over and over and over. Felt that God had forsaken him. But time after time, God revealed himself. There was confirmation. There was miracles. You know, just like when the police came into his apartment. Ransacked the whole place. Upside down. And those three boxes of Bibles sat right there in the open. And they never seen it. When he was brought before the judge... You know, the judge had a very mean countenance. But as soon as Hussein's case came up and he came before the judge, his countenance totally changed. And even, even to the fact where he said, you wouldn't have even need to come here. And so I believe this morning, as Paul says here, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Are we being led by the Spirit of God? Does our character reveal it? Does our countenance show it? I trust this morning, as we think about these things, as we meditate upon them, that we too can be um, recognized as that. And I, There's a song. I'm pretty sure that we had sung it, and I thought it was in our hymnary, but it's not. The title of it is, I'm a child of the king. I know that I've heard that song. We're not going to sing it for the sake of time. I thought maybe I'd just read it because I thought it, it fit very well with the message as we think about our uh, being adopted into the family of God. It goes like this. Once I was clothed in the rags of my sin, wretched and poor, lost and lonely within. But with wondrous compassion, the king of all kings, in pity and love, took me under his wings. Oh yes, oh yes, I'm a child of the king. His royal blood now flows in my veins. And I who was wretched and poor now can sing, praise God, praise God, I'm a child of the king. Now I'm a child with a heavenly home. My holy father, will you make me his own? And I'm washed by his blood and I'm clothed in his love. And someday I'll sing <coughs> with the angels above. Oh yes, oh yes, I'm a child of the king. His royal blood now flows in my veins. And I who was wretched and poor now can sing. Praise God, praise God, I'm a child of the king.
Praise God, praise God. I'm a child of the King. May that encourage us this morning. No, we're not in a situation like the story, the account of Hussein and his life was in. But I believe this morning that God, as he looks down upon us, upon our little church, upon our situation, I believe this morning God wants us to know that he loves us and wants us to know that we're a part of his family. We're a part of the the family of God. You know, it's like the little boy that the mother and father said, we have all kinds of toys. We have a beautiful home. We have lots of money. You know, I don't know what all they shared with him. Little boy said, I don't want that. He replied, he said, I want, I want uh, somebody to love me. We have a Father who loves us, our Heavenly Father. Yes, praise God for that. Let's pray. Our Father, this morning we thank you for this privilege that is ours. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for speaking to our hearts. And we know, Lord, that this subject uh, is so vast and can't be exhausted as we think about the love of our Heavenly Father and the adoption that takes place when we become a child of His. And so, Father, this morning, I just pray that for your anointing to rest upon each one here. And I pray that as we go from His place, Lord, that we too would sense and feel your love upon us. And I pray, Father, for those outside who are searching, who are looking. I pray that you would speak to their hearts and that your spirit would draw them, first of all, to thyself, and then to a place of worship. And Father, I pray that you would help us to be that place. Help us, Lord, to open our arms and to invite those who have become a part of the family of God. Be with us as we go through the remainder of the service. Bless our Sunday school hour, and we'll give you the praise. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I know there's a lot more that could be shared. Like I said, 